with me, as always, John Porch, lead writer at the Leaders Performance Institute. John, hello. Hello, David. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Very well, thank you. Can't complain. Excellent. Pleasantries over. Let's get down to business with today's uh, podcast episode. And we're going back in time once again to 2015. That's right. Our London Leaders Sport Performance Summit, David, with a session called Building and Sustaining a Winning Culture. Sounds like a cracker. Tell me more. Well, hosted by Mike Border, good friend of leaders in the Leaders Performance Institute, he was joined on stage by Harry Roseman, who is the Executive Vice President of Football Ops at the Super Bowl winning Philadelphia Eagles. And also, we had Michael Retschko on stage, who at the time was Sporting Director at Bayern Munich. He's now at Stuttgart, but he was there, and Bayern Munich are, of course, Bundesliga champions. They were then, they are now. And they may well be for some time to come. Uh, tell us more about uh, what was on the agenda. Well, as much as we were talking about two individuals here, they both stated the importance of prioritising the organisation over their individual efforts. And they also talked about developing an understanding of what the best players look like in their respective codes of football and using that template to shape the outlook of the organisation and the playing philosophy. Excellent stuff. Looking forward to hearing this one. Just before we get into it, a reminder to check out uh, all of uh, John's work and the best practice, insights and perspective from across the performance space at the Leaders Performance Institute via the Leaders website, leadersinsport.com. We have all the information there on our upcoming exciting London Sport Performance Summit as well in November. So we look forward to you joining us then. In the meantime, shall we get going, John? Let's go. Two things that dominate your careers is stability. Okay, Michael, 35 years at one team. Uh, did every role. You talked to me yesterday about uh, every contract you've done with the players and uh, on all the staff and some are even the players' kids you've been there that long. Uh, 35 years and then last summer you decided to take the plunge to go to, to Bayern Munich. Howie, 16 years in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles, started in the mailroom as they say in the US and made your way all the way to the general manager's role, the youngest general manager in the history of the NFL at 34. We'll start with you Michael, 35 years at one team, this is pretty unprecedented now. What were the things that you, that you learned during that 35 years that gave you the opportunity to go to Bayern Munich in the end? I think uh, what I learned in <coughs> Leverkusen, what was, in my point of view, the most important, is that you have to serve for your club. I think uh, everybody here in this room, or most of them, are very, have very important jobs in their clubs or in their companies. And uh, I think you have always to find the balance between knowing that you have an important job, but also knowing that you have to serve your club. You are not important. The work you did for your club is important. And I think in, in this time in, in Leverkusen, we have uh, uh, created a very good job with a team because uh, at least uh, every, everybody is only good if you have very interesting, good people around him, very good employers, very good workers. And uh, that was what I learned in this 35 years. Okay. Howie, over to you. I think it, the most important thing is when you get a role, when you get a job, to do that really well. What you see now is a lot of people try to do all different sorts of things and don't become an expert in any one field. So when you get an opportunity to do something really well, become an expert in that and then get more on your plate. One of the things that's characterized both of your careers is the acquisition or the recruitment of talent. Okay, you've made your name in, in your particular sports, in your particular teams. 
what are the things that make a great technical director, sporting director, and what are the qualities that make a great general manager? Well, I'd start off by saying there's a big difference between collecting talent and building a team. So it's important to make sure that you're aligned with the coach and understand what they're looking for for each position, and then you are able to articulate that to your scouts, to the people that are out in the field. So they're bringing back to you guys that fit. It doesn't matter if there's a great player who doesn't fit your system. We always have talk about resources, resource allocation. In the National Football League, we have a hard salary cap. We have a limited number of draft picks. Mm -hmm. The great thing is that we're all playing with that same pool. Mm -hmm. So it gives us an opportunity to win. But you have to figure out what's important, what you need, and then what you'd like to have. Michael? Yes, I agree. Uh, there are two different things. Uh, scouting is one part. At least you scout a talent uh, jewel. And then you have to pick this jewel in the whole picture. And that are uh, at least two different things. And you have to, to find um, the way to find the right jewels that belongs to your picture. That's very important. And for me now, what is a new experience, when I work in, in Leverkusen, we have a strategy with the club. Uh, of course, we have a, a coach who is very important and we exchange ideas, but at least the club has the philosophy which player we take under contract and the co coach has to work uh, with these players. Now in Munich, it's a little bit different because we have uh, a very special coach uh, and um, if you select players now, that must, players, must be players that come together with the philosophy of, of our coach. And just to say it, I don't know if he is, uh, this name is Pep Guardiola for the, um, just for the audience. Uh, I think most they, people wouldn't know that, Michael. Most yes, of them right, will yeah. know him. But, but maybe mm -hmm. uh, some who are not, not in, uh, so involved in, in soccer, he is uh, outstanding, he is a uh, fantastic coach, he is top class. Mm -hmm. And he has a special way from players he needs. And so for me, it was a very new experience and I must to jump into his head to understand which kind of players he needs for his game. And that was for me a totally new experience uh, in my way of scouting. So just to, just to clarify, and we'll come on to you, Harry, because I know you've got a very similar model. Traditionally in your career, particularly at Leverkusen, you'd been about finding talent that you could bring to the coach, whoever it was at the time. With, with Guardiola now, you have a situation which is very specific about the type of individual, we talked about this yesterday, individual that he's going to use in his team to make his system work, but also to bring the team forward in that. So it's changed in, in that time that you've now got a coach that's very, very particular about a certain mentality and certain qualities. Yes, <coughs> Pep has a very clear vision which kind of players, which position, uh, uh, which position we, uh, we have to look for and also he has a clear uh, vision what these players has to do, what, what they, the skills, the qualities. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, it was uh, very interesting and of course very difficult to, to work with him, but it was a fantastic experience for me. In, in Leverkusen, in Leverkusen, please let me. In Leverkusen, we very often we have to to look in the future. In, in Leverkusen, we are a sell and buy club. Okay. So or buy and sell. We buy young talents, and we know when they grow up, we will sell them later on. It was a philosophy of the of, of, of the club. In Munich, of course, we are not a sell and buy club. Mm 
We are, we are a club who want to be successful, who want to win the Champions League at least. Mm -hmm. Knowing that it is very, uh, very difficult, but that was the target. So it's a, it's a different work now in this moment. Mm -hmm. When you have a, a special coach and you're able to empower them, you could think of collecting talent like a funnel. So you start with this big pool of players, but based on characteristics, whether on the field or off the field, you narrow it down so you have a smaller, smaller pool of players. And the way you can, I think about it is that you can know a lot about a little or a little about a lot because there's so much information, there's so many players, and you're only making a certain number of decisions each year. You just have to be right on those decisions. And so that gives you an opportunity to spend your time on the places that really seems to fit. So uh, if, I, if I dive into the, to the NFL, and particularly the Eagles, uh, but a very, very unique coach in, in, in Chip Kelly came from the University of Oregon, came with a certain skill set and background with his experiences at Nike, but also a certain type of way of playing, which in the context of what Michael's saying, changed potentially the type of recruitment that you did or acquisition. Could you tell us a little bit more about how his system changed your recruitment? Sure. I was very fortunate to be with a coach for 14 years, Andy Reid, who's now the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Unbelievable leader, unbelievable football coach. And when we had the opportunity to go on a coaching search, we were looking for something very specific. Now, the way that these coaching searches go is you try to take someone from a really good team, but do they have the leadership? Do they have the really system in place? And so we kind of equated it to a Fortune 500 search. Who could be a CEO of our football team? And we wanted to find someone innovative that was doing things differently because the way that colleges are now, their systems have changed. And so there's a lot of talk in America. There's not enough quarterbacks. There's, there's you know, 10 great quarterbacks in the National Football League. What do the other 22 teams do? Well, you have to adjust to what the colleges are giving you. You have to adjust to where the talent is and what they're doing. So to squid a, fit a square peg in a round hole doesn't make any sense. For us, we decided that we we're going to adjust to what the colleges were giving to us. We we're going to adjust our systems and be able to play with that. Okay. So, Michael, if we, if, we, if we come back to you on, on your model, so you've gone from you know, making an incredible reputation for you and Bayer Leverkusen, amazing players like Vidal, Schürrle, uh, Renato Gusto, when you, the players that they came on to do great things. When you think about the model that you put in place, talk us from the start, really, because there's a lot of people in the room building something that you've, you've created. What were the key things? Was it the acquisition of the right staff? Was it the right templates for filtering <coughs> talent? Was it the right communication with the board? What were the things that you put in place? I think uh, the most important is, uh, especially uh, in the requ requirement, is this right? Requirement. My English is not, not uh, very perfect, good. of course, uh, uh, in the scouting, it, that you find the right stuff around you. You must have very good scouts and I uh, can tell you in Leverkusen we have had a fantastic staff and uh, now we build up in Munich also a very, very good staff and I think that's important that you, that you know you can trust them. If, you, if, if, if one of your scouts say we need this player, we need this player, he's fantastic, he has the skills we are looking for and you have no chance to see him, for example. Of, of course, in this moment, it's, it's possible by, 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 by video, by Scout or, or whatever. But um, I'm a traditional one. I, I prefer to, to see players when we take a high investment. I, I prefer to see them three, four, five times also live. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I don't have the chance, I want to have people around me that, whom I trust totally. That's regarding the stuff. Regarding player, there is one thing that uh, becomes more and more important in my point of view. We, we don't 
we, we don't have to talk about the skills, of course. They, they, they must be fast, their technical behavior, everything must, must be good. There must be team members, of course, but um, especially in Munich, but I think also in the international uh, football, players become more and more intelligent. If the, 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 uh, the game and everything around the game um, was more, how will I say, well, more detailed, it, it, was, uh, it, it becomes more complicated than maybe 20 years ago. And uh, I, I think you, you need more and more, you need also intelligent players who can uh, handle their, their job with the team on the pitch, but also outside. It becomes more and more important in my point of view. And I think that goes to instincts. Instincts are such an important part of a player, being able to have a feel for the game. Because when you find someone who's got great ability but they're not natural, that's a hard thing to coach up. Mm -hmm. So when you think, stay in a space of instincts or qualities here, two different sports, two different types of pressures. If we stay in the National Football League, you know, building teams, you talked about only 10 great quarterbacks in, in, in the league. When you start finding these special qualities, we've talked about it in the past, how do you actually drill down and understand, okay, they are the two or three qualities that will move the needle in that position. How do you actually define them? Second question is how do you measure them? And how do you actually permeate that down to a staff that you're not dealing with everyday scouting teams that are in different locations? How do you do that? Well, I think one of the things when we get in these roles is we don't spend the time looking at who's really successful because we're in the moment, so we're studying the things to improve our team but we still have to understand what's working other places. What are the great players looking like? You know, how can we translate that to our staff and articulate it? Because if we just send our scouts on the road without any plan or vision, without what we really require in each player, position-specific guidelines, it's hard for them to go find players. And then you have these discussions in your draft meetings where they bring up players and you're going, well, that guy doesn't fit. You know, why are we spending our time on that? Why did you spend, you know, three days going down to that school? So it's really important that we're able to articulate our vision for each player for each position. I think what is important is that you uh, go away from the day-by-day -day thinking. Of course, in the professional sport, especially in football, uh, every game is important. And sometimes we have three games a week. But beside this, you must always find your balance in this position, looking for the day work, but also have a vision for the future, and not only for the, for the next season, also for a long-term future. That is, I think, what, what, uh, what we have on a very good base uh, in Leverkusen, that we always say, there is a daily work, there is a work for the next season, but there is the decisions that will be grown in three or four years. And in this part, we have been very successful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also part of our job, to, to look on different, uh, different levels, to work on different levels. I think we've got to remember our responsibility is different than the coach. Our responsibility is to the viability of the franchise, not only now, but in the future. So we have to have that lens of looking out long term, mm -hmm. acknowledging that the coaching staff needs to win now. But we have that responsibility. We have to do things that are in the long-term interests of the team. Now, when you're running a sports team, you have to look at it from a long-term view. You can't just build day-to-day -day because it will crumble. And the opportunity to compete over a period of time gives you a chance to win championships. One of the things that is a, <clears throat> a big dilemma between in any major sport now, in the big American sports as well as in football in Europe, is this relationship or this tension between whether it's a general manager, technical director, sporting director, and the head coach, 
Okay, the head coach is there to win today, tomorrow. You guys are thinking about asset protection for the owner, building a team, but also winning in the moment. How do you manage that, both from a proactive level, but also from a reactive level? Because the danger is that a situation people feel like you're signing the players and you want your players and they're not what the team needs. Or How do you manage that? Because it's very problematic. Well, I think that it, it's hard to have difficult discussions, but debate and discussion within organizations are a good thing. It, it's okay to talk about why you like a player and why he doesn't like a player. And when you walk out of that room, being aligned, <coughs> being together. But we can't be afraid to have difficult discussions. That's how you make good decisions, mm -hmm. to have that debate and to go through the reasons. If you're just agreeing with everything everyone's saying, you're probably not going to make the right decision. Now, at the same time, you have to, the coach has to feel the support. They have to feel uh, we're the ones watching the game with ownership. We're the ones in the box. And, and when they look up and they see you there talking to the owner, they can't feel paranoid about that. They have to know that you have their back, that you're in it with them, that it's not you on one side with the owner and them on a separate. Yes, when I, uh, when I arrived in Munich, it was a very special decision for me after 35 years to leave Leverkusen, and it was not done in one or two days. Uh, when I had the, the first discussion with uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, our, our chairman, a former international top-class player and a great person, um, we agree that my job is not so much the daily business. That was, uh, he, he recognized uh, it will become more and more difficult for Bayern Munich to be part of the top three, top four, top five in the world because the uh, financial situation in England is incredible. It's, it's unbelievable. They have uh, so much TV money that's not from this world. And so we have to felt in the, in, the, in the near future, we have to felt very soon, very good decisions. And uh, I'm not so often and not so intensive, intensive part of the daily business like I have done it in Leverkusen. My job is exclusive for the future in this club, and that, uh, that's the way we, we work together. So we have, in our team, we have Matthias Sama as the uh, sport director. He is the one who takes care for the daily business and our part, more or less, for the future. So, so one of the trends in both of your sports, particularly in NFL and particularly football in Europe, is TV drives a lot of revenue, therefore... The, the revenue coming to the teams is very different in the NFL, fixed cost base in, in a salary cap and rising revenue, revenue opportunities with long-term visibility. The same in football, there's financial fair play and then the TV deals are getting bigger and longer. So here's a scenario, the, the coach's time, which is a very, very difficult coach, manager, whatever the term is in each one, it's getting more and more difficult for the guys. We've got one or two coaches here now. So you guys, your job is to manage the long-term. So I've got a young coach who's gone in his first job or his second job and he wants to make an impression on them. I want to bring a player to the table I want to sign that I'm going to need to win now, which is part of my career. But you're thinking about five years from now, you're thinking about ten years from now. How do you manage that tension? Because that's often the breakdown is we want to sign this player because I need to win tomorrow. You want to sign this guy in five years, he's going to still be a top player, but the coach might not be here. How do you actually work in that triangle between ownership or board at Bayern Munich and the coach and you guys? How does that work operationally? I think that's not so difficult because uh, the, if, if you work for the next season and you have also a vision for, for the next five years, that can come together. Where is the problem? 
of course, in, in professional football, uh, the next decision is always the most important. The next game is always the most important. And so we have to be, uh, of course, focused on the success of, of today or of tomorrow. But it is possible also to, to have a vision for the future. Both can come together without any problem. I don't see there is a uh, this or that, both together, possible. I think it's also important to make calm decisions during calm times, to not be pressured. You know, one of the things for us during free agency is if you don't set a price and a value, you get competitive. We're all competitive. That's why we're in these roles. So you want to kind of win the negotiation. And you can always walk away from the player that you didn't get, but you can never recover from the contract that you already did. And so if you have these conversations with your head coach, especially when you're interviewing them, I mean, that's a great opportunity to lay out your vision and to make sure that you're aligned. But, of course, there comes a moment where they need a specific player. You know, the need comes into play uh, for that year. You know, they see a position. We can't win without this position. And there are times in our roles that we have to do things to, again, empower the coach to help him win, to, to let him know that we're supporting him. But you can't do anything that puts you in a position that you can't recover from going forward with a move that you don't think is right. So in, in all the top teams now in Bayern Munich, trying to win the Champions League, 25 German titles, five Champions League, the demand to win, you know, the expectation to win is continuing to rise. In the, the NFL with the parity around, transfer, uh, around salary caps and, and the revenue that everyone's enjoying, there's an opportunity to be successful. So as we go forward now, the margins of how you are successful and how you make a difference to the games comes getting smaller and smaller. If you think about both your sports, think about both your roles, the next three to five years, where is the advantage? Where are you going to get that next sort of marginal gain, as Dave Brailsford would say in the room? Where would you get it? I would talk about innovation. You know, um, when you look at the word sports science, you know, it's a buzzword. Everyone talks about it. But how is that helping your players? How is that helping them recover? I mean, if a player is hurt, you're not getting any value for them. So how can you be proactive and not reactive towards injuries? Analytics, uh, where are the margins? Where are the positions that are undervalued? Where can you get some value for your money in the free agent market, in the draft? Especially if you're looking for something different than other teams are. So if you find that you're looking for a specific player that is typically undervalued when you study the draft or free agency, great opportunity. It's also an opportunity when teams change over, when they change over their front office, when they change over their coaching staff, and they move into a different system study those teams, look for advantages to make trade proposals. Uh, you don't have those opportunities very often. Fantastic. Can you repeat this for me also? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is also one uh, thing we have, to, uh, we have to look in the future is to create top youth coaches. I think uh, the, 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 the clubs, the professional clubs who, who find the best youth coaches or develop very good youth coaches, I think that's a difference between uh, the, the our football and the, the American football, the way uh, you don't have a youth department, I think, and, uh, of course. And, and in, in, uh, in, in football, it will be very, very, very important to build up a new idea from the coaches who train the 9, 10, 11, 12 years old boys till the 18, 19 years old boys to, to, to find the right people for these jobs. I think they will be important. And if the, the club who will be top class in this has a very good chance to be successful for the future, of course. You made a great point yesterday when we were talking about developing your talent off the field as well. 
So your coaches, so when they get an opportunity to be a head coach, the leadership aspect of that, being able to talk in front of a room of players, not just one side of the ball in our sport, um, your front office as well, so that when they get an opportunity to run a team, they understand what's important. So that's one of the things that we all have a responsibility to do, not only for our team to develop talent, but when you left, you said you had great people in place. You felt one of the reasons you could leave was because of that. But we all have that obligation to make sure that the people that are around us on the coaching staff in the front office are prepared for leadership roles. So when we talk about, let's just drill down as we, before I open it up to the floor. When we talk about the acquisition of talent, as you call it, in North America and the recruitment of talent in, in Europe, when you talk about these two pathways, you've mentioned youth coaching as being a competitive advantage of not just a quest for finding the best talent. They're in the building now. You've committed to them at whatever age, whether the senior players in the first team or development. You talked about youth development. The NFL, and particularly North American sport, maybe with the exception of baseball, is now realizing that we have to invest more in player development. Can you talk a little bit about your program? Because it's a continuity of recruitment, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's an issue for us when we get the players. Sometimes we forget how young these guys are. They're coming into a different city. They're uh, for the changing systems. They have money in their pocket for the first time. Maybe the first time they're really living on their own. And then we have high expectations. There's no other profession in the world where you draft someone high at 21 years old, 20, 19, and then have high expectations that they come in and they're the best in their field. I mean, it's kind of backwards. It's not how any of us you know, grew up into our roles. So we have to figure out, it's such a small percentage, and again, this is, we were talking about this this morning, it's so small of a percentage of resources you're putting into developing the players and keeping them healthy and keeping them right when you talk about how much money you're putting into your players' salaries and transfer fees. So we have to make sure that we're developing their skills and helping them in their transition. Michael, just in the, in the context, Moneyball, the, the, which we've had baseball people in the room in the last couple of days, obsession with the recruitment process, and then that's come to an, a, an end of it or wave in that. Now it's in this space that Howie's all about play development. Bayern Munich's a huge club, tremendous reputation, tremendous players have done there. You're the world, world uh, champions after the last World Cup. You've got dominant teams. How do you actually take this young player or even a senior player and inoculate him or onboarding him to play for Bayern Munich? Because it's a big expectation. How do you do that? Because part of it, five years from now, when someone looks at both of your trades, recruitments, and says, that guy was fantastic for the Eagles, that guy was fantastic for... Bayern Munich. Part of that will be about the recruitment process. Part of it will be about the onboarding into the business. So how do you do it? Because Bayern Munich is a huge club. I think you have uh, <coughs> to support it when the player, when it's, even when the young players came, you have supported from people around the, that works for the club, but the most important is the dressing room. And uh, we have fantastic players with a fantastic mentality inside the team. And if a young player came new, then he has to adapt. There is no chance. Because when, uh, just for an example, when, when you have a player like I have, Robert, he's a, he's a guy who every training, every training is on a top level. And not only him, also many other of our players, every training they train on a top level. And if a young player came there and he only want to work with his skills and not with his mentality, he has no chance in this group. And that's, uh, Outstanding in Munich. It, it was for me after working on a professional club, who has all, all, also always be on a high level. It was an experience. I said, "Well, there is a difference. 
there is a difference regarding this. They are top class. You make a great point. If your best player isn't your hardest worker and your best player, <coughs> you're in trouble. So part of your recruitment now, we're moving into a little bit. It's not only about the acquisition of the talent to the, through free agency in the draft or through the transfer market or, or the Bosman situation. It's now about the detail of how actually you're building a culture through recruitment of talent. So finding these guys with leadership qualities. So everyone here will talk about leadership or finding high character guys. What does that mean? What does that mean? You've got guys who are going to watch games in college or in the free agency draft. I've got a sheet in front of me. What's on that sheet that I'm assessing? I think uh, after many years, you get a feeling in your scouting. You see it on the pitch. You see it maybe in, in little, little moments, how he works against the ball, how he talks to the referees, what happened after the other team score a goal, how he reacts, how speaking with the other team members. And I, I think that is the reason I prefer live scouting. Of course, the uh, Y scout or all the things to get first impression is very important. It's also important to have good stuff around you, but especially in the big decisions, I, I think that's one of my talents to, to get a feeling, yeah, that is the right one. We want to, to take this player because it can become important for the club. It's, it's more or less a, a feeling you have. It's, it's so hard sometimes to confuse determination and, and edge with bad character because competitive people are determined. They do have an edge. They do get angry about losing. They're so competitive about it that they can feel it. They want the ball in the last second. They want the one to take the last shot. You know, a quarterback, that he wants the ball in their hands with two minutes to go in the game. And so it's so hard to quantify exactly what is character, but by being around them long enough, being able to really spend the time, it goes back to make sure that you know a lot about a little, not a little about a lot. Okay. Fantastic. I'm sure there's some great questions in the audience, and I've been stopped in the last couple of days. I'd like to open up to the floor for the last nine minutes. Uh, we have microphones here, so please wait. Put your hand up, wait for a microphone, and uh, we can ask a question then. Who would like to start? We've got one here, and then one second question over there. Sorry, sir, could you stand up, please? Hello. Stand up. Uh, Probably more uh, for the Michael, uh, Michael uh, question is, if you use the psychologists or some mental coaches for the players who is coming uh, to the different categories, not only for the 18, different categories, do you use it for daily program or not? Uh, I think it became more and more important because there is much more pressure and everything around the game becomes more complicated. So uh, you need it for the future and uh, we have someone working in the club, especially with the, with the youth department. In the professional base, it's more or less that the player take it on their individual decisions. It's not organized by the club, especially not in Munich, for example, in, in, in Leverkusen, it has also been organized by the club. And I think it's, it's very important because there is so much influence for the player, not only making the decisions on the pitch also outside. So I agree totally that it's important. But in Munich, it's more or less done by, every, by, by the key players. It's done on their individual base. On these performance coaches, are you requiring the players to see them, or it's just an available resource? 
like the, the, the understand the the the, the, me, the the performance coaches the mental health performance yeah. are the players the young players do you require them to meet with them yeah yeah, yeah 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 absolutely absolutely so I, I think it's important to support yeah. them especially the young players it's totally important to support them also in this space yeah without any doubt uh, question at the gentleman at the back uh, my question is directed uh, really for uh, mr. Roseman I want to uh, see if you could delve into uh, what you spoke about um, when you mentioned uh, developing characteristics, characteristics of like leadership um, and just developing the whole athlete. Um, what are some of the ways that you've done that or, or that you've seen have been the most effective um, if they're across the board or if they're unique to each individual player? Um, and how would they, you know, even if they're not specific to that, you know, to your team, to the Eagles, things that are kind of maybe universal to all different uh, spectra of training? developing people sure I think uh, continue education is so important for all of us to continue to learn continue to talk to people in your field so that's uh, having players as mentors in position groups for us it's important to find a captain of, of each position group so that young players know someone they could talk to not only about on-field stuff but about life about the community you know where to go to find the restaurant where to go if they need a doctor for their young wife or their kid and so that's really important, not only for on the field people, but also for us in the front office, you know, developing relationships here. What an unbelievable opportunity for all of us to talk to people in different sports to get ideas about player development. Because this player development piece is something that we all take for granted. We just assume that guys are coming in, they're trained, they're ready to go. And there are so many different factors that they have to deal with. I mean, when they're going to restaurants, they're not able to sit there and eat undisturbed. So where are the places they can feel comfortable? Where are they able to relax and not get in trouble? We got to continue to do that and the important people are the people who touch them on an everyday basis. So your security director, your player engagement director, you know, your young coaches are so important to your organization. Okay. One question here. Well, it's Carlo. I'm representing head of team management in Porsche Motorsports and Winning culture um, is sort of a big word, and we, we do challenge or we are struggling sometimes with this culture thing, so it's about communication, sharing vision, everything you just shared with us. Uh, could you give us like the three top aspects of a winning culture? I'll go one at a time. Uh, stability, security. Uh, you can't have a great culture on or off the field unless people feel secure. Uh, it, when your players or your employees start feeling like independent contractors, you have a problem. They, they don't feel that they bleed the logo. And you, that's one of the things you have to be careful with in our sport about free agency, about bringing in a lot of new players to your team who you haven't drafted and developed, don't know what it's like to be part of your culture. In Munich, uh, they create a we are we mentality. It's in, uh, it, it sounds mehr san mehr. It's a special, a special uh, focus from the club. and. Uh, this mentality, we are we, we are here to win. That's when you come in this club, everybody, every employer has his self-confidence. You recognize this from everybody and it was totally impressed. And of course, especially the young, the, the, the players who are uh, for many years in the club, who live this in the dressing room. And so we, it's a, it's a, it's, it flows. Yeah. It's, it's a Evolves. mentality of the club. It's a mentality of the club.
And I think the last point I would make is about communication. It's so important to be able to communicate to your players, to the members of your organization. So um, when we bring a player in, I would always tell them, I'm going to always tell you the truth. You may not always like what you hear, but I'm going to tell you the truth. So they're not walking out the door when we trade them, not understanding why they were traded. And I think it's important. It builds credibility. And when they go to a different team, whether it's your employees or your players, they understand how they're being dealt with when they come to Philadelphia. We've got time for two more questions. Uh, one here and then one there. This, a question for Michael, actually. Um, there's, there's winning and then there's winning with style. And um, Bayern Munich this season is scoring 2.9 points per game. But you're also scoring nine goals for everyone you can see. So could you say something about winning with style um, as well as just winning? Yeah. We have fantastic players. Outstanding, we have a squad in this moment that's really, really good. And of course, we have a coach who works on a super top level, who analyzes every, every match before he analyzes the other team. He knows where, they, where we can beat them. He always finds an idea and he trains this in totally details. I have, he, he never trained our coach never trained to train. Every training is focused on the next game. How can we beat the other? Where, where, problem? Where do they have problems? How can we beat them? And after 35 years in Liverpool, working together with very, very good coaches, that's a new experience for me to, to work with Guardiola. Unbelievable. And he was at least, he was a very important part in this success. Um, you've both spoken about um, stability and long-term vision and also about uh, signing and the process you go through for signing a new coach. And I wondered how you struck a balance in terms of uh, the kind of staff below that coach in terms of bringing guys in long-term that fit the vision of your organization or guys that come in who are potentially more loyal to that head coach and work better with that head coach and where that balance lies. I think the stuff around is uh, so important for the whole club. You need, you need a, a lot of employers, you need a lot of people who work for many years with the club and have the philosophy of the club and feel the club. Uh, and I, I think it will be always a wrong way if a new coach comes and he said, I bring my head scout, I bring my, my uh, three assistant coach and new medical stuff. You must have identity in the club, and uh, to find the right people is uh, in this different position is so important for for your own balance and for your philosophy. I agree totally. It's very important. Yeah, Mike and I have spent a lot of time talking about this. It's so important that you get the support from your ownership. That the owner understands that there are positions in your organization that are organizational positions. Because what happens a lot of time is you hire a new coach and they say, I want my guy here, my guy here. And when you ask them, do you know our guy or is there something you don't like about this guy, they'll just say, no, he's just not my guy. And so you have to build kind of this wall around your people to ensure that they have the security and stability so that you're not changing at key positions that are really integral for the organization, for the future of your organization. 
when you talk about trainers and equipment and video and doctors, I mean, those are organizational decisions. And they're so important that they're feeling they're doing the right thing for your team, not just for that particular coach. The red light's flashing again. Time is up. Uh, great session, first of all, on behalf of the leaders and the other. Thank you so much, Howie, for coming all this way in the middle of a week of, of, of games. And uh, good luck this weekend with your game. Michael, thank you for taking the time in international break to join us here in London. On behalf of everyone in the audience, on behalf of leaders, thank you very much, guys, for coming here today. Thank you. Thank you.